It is the start for your Tuesday morning here on 680 CJOB, Mackling and McNabb. Yesterday at Niagara Golf Course, it was Mackling and McGarry. How'd it go? Drag Brett. Under the golf course, you dragged him onto the golf course. I'm yes. so sure. Yes, he had to be forced. <laughs> the St. Boniface Hospital Foundation Cardiac Classic on what was, and and thanks to St. B, everybody that was out yesterday raised over 150 thousand dollars for cardiac research care, the cardiac sciences program at St. Boniface Hospital, and uh, and the research associated. Loren, I, I was just saying just before we cracked the microphone, we were listening to Drew's weather forecast and yesterday might have been the picture perfect summer day it was spectacular not too hot a little breeze every once in a while every once in a while the sun would duck behind a cloud just to give you a a little reprieve it was perfect it was an excellent day I was outside for several hours just sitting there reading and and relaxing and enjoying myself and yeah and then we turned to to today and uh, Drew's talking about the picture changed in the sense of widespread smoke. So we warned yesterday that you might see some haze today. But man, it just feels like every single day when you check the wildfire report. Yes, in Manitoba, we've had, you know, fortunate season in some respects. But when you look elsewhere, it's just crazy what's going on. And now, of course, Northwest Territories are involved in evacuations. Hay River being evacuated. Yellowknife declaring a state of emergency last night. And so all sorts of people are making their way south. This morning, one of the main evacuation points I know is Grand Prairie, if you're going south from Yellowknife or Hay River. But we know lots of Manitobans are potentially uh, up there or coming back home to Manitoba. Yes, well, we'll talk about that a little bit more uh, later on in this hour. That'll be uh, part of the inspiration. I'll put that in quotation marks. The inspiration for our discussion at 650 and our contest today and a way for you to win tickets to see the little mermaid at rainbow stage and just after seven o'clock we do have a concert announcement we have tickets to give away to see fill in the blank uh, later on this morning as well we'll probably tie it into our contest uh, we'll let you know how things go this morning and when we let you know who's coming to winnipeg the hint i'll give you is that's in december leading up to christmas here in our city. Question of the day at cjob.com. Loren, should both sides in the Manitoba Liquor Mart strike agree to binding arbitration? And lo and behold, we've got a change on that front, right? Things are are looking as though they're going to go that way. Well, it sounds like the Crown Corp is ready to go. They've said that they'd agree to go to binding arbitration. The union has sort of hit the not pause button, but said, yeah, we we could agree to that, except for we want to make sure there's going to be some movement on the wage front. According to the union, there hasn't been any change to the offer since the start of the strike. So they're not quickly agreeing to binding arbitration. I'm curious what the results were to that question. And and also more than that, we're going to get into this after seven with a labor lawyer. What does that even mean? What does that even mean? (laughs) We toss out these words all the time. We've had it's been a year of some very strenuous labor disputes, right? We had the Peace Acts, right? The largest strike in Canadian history with more than 100,000 people. Then we had hydro workers uh, doing a, a shortened strike earlier this summer. We had healthcare workers threatening to strike. Strikes have been averted. And of course, now we're into a weeks-long strike with liquor and lotteries. So what do all these terms mean? It's a perfect example of a listener yesterday asking us those questions. Like, some, it would be great if someone could explain to me how this all works when you're at the bargaining table, because some of us might've been in unions before. Some of us haven't either way. It's your tax dollars, your dollars being spent 
at the table. And so you want to understand what's going on. That's right. All the different terminology. So the headline at Global News is CJOB.com breakthrough in Manitoba liquor strike as conciliator recommends arbitration. Manitoba Liquor and Lotteries has agreed to binding arbitration. MGEU still non-committal on that uh, point and uh, that fact. I imagine we'll learn more about that as we make our way through the day. Amazon, are you someone that orders stuff online, Loren? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I'm not a regular Amazon person, but for sure, there's potentially, I would say maybe a, once a month, something coming to my door from Amazon or other. And uh, I was fascinated driving in this morning because this is some Amazon and we've all been talking for years about the insane packaging that comes with online orders. Like you could order a bottle of lotion that is the size of your hand and have it come in a box that's the size of your arm, you know, and lengthwise. And you think, why on earth? I know we had a little tool we needed for the car um, and just came more quickly that way. And the box that it was shipped in was ridiculous. And so people have been saying for years, fix that. A, it's bad for the environment. B, it's unnecessary. It's co- has to be adding to the cost. Well, Amazon is now making its way towards a, not a boxless service, but you're going to start seeing more items without that brown packaging. And that has some people concerned. Uh, you used the example when we were discussing this in the newsroom this morning of, a, of an air fryer. Say you order a T-Fall air fryer. It may come and sit on your front step in that box versus it being in the patented, quote unquote, patented Amazon brown box. And that has some consumers a little bit concerned. Uh, we found about stories theft, right? about because theft and, the, and, you know, it's sitting there and people knowing exactly what you're but getting. But on the opposite end, you know, the, when, when you open up the box inside the box, you're thinking to yourself, a lot of that stuff is already well packaged the way it, it comes. No question. doesn't need to be added to another box. So you think, what a waste. But to the point of theft, now that it's sitting on there, you know, those people that run by porches and just pull things off aren't always knowing what they're grabbing. They're just grabbing it because it's there. Now you're telling them, hey, it's a laptop. Yeah, if it doesn't have the brown that, packaging, then... That, then- might, that might be a little bit concerning. Obviously, uh, there are more layers and levels to this story and this conversation. We can go back all the way to 2019 at the very least to stories where Amazon was talking about ways that it was working towards reducing the amount of packaging, uh, including some of the options. Like if you're an Amazon Prime member, you can designate your Amazon day where, say, you were expecting three packages in a week. You just say, bring it on Thursday, all one day or all in one box. And in that way, maybe you're working from home and you can make sure that you're home to receive that shipment. So uh, what's your experience been with Amazon, with their packaging and Porch Pirates, is that a concern for you? And also, anonymity. I don't necessarily want my neighbors knowing all the stuff that I'm buying. You know? You have to. You know, I'm I a, guess it d- depends on where, where, how you live. You know, in, in an apartment building, you can, you'd can walk by and see someone's purchases and what's landed at their door. But if, I, if I'm in the neighborhood on the, in suburban Winnipeg with houses, you I'd have, have to walk up to the steps. Why, why am I getting my binoculars out to look at someone well, else's porch? There are people who uh, are very nosy. I made that mistake they once. They want to know. They <laughs> want to know I what was living in near Corden, and I can't remember why binoculars ended up at her house, and I used them and looked across the street and got an eyeful of nakedness from someone down the street. And I was like, never again am I using binoculars. It was like the scene in Friends. My eyes, my eyes.
It is the start on a Tuesday morning. Mackling, McNabb, McGarry returns on Monday. We have smoke in our forecast today as wildfires rage across the north, in particular in the Northwest Territories, where a state of emergency has been declared in Yellowknife. We will use this news story, Loren, for our discussion coming up at 6.50 and our listeners' chance to win tickets to Rainbow Stage or the concert, which we are announcing coming up in 30 minutes' time. We begin this half hour south of the Canada-U.S. border, where former U.S. President Donald Trump has been indicted for a fourth time, this time over his efforts to overturn the 2020 election in the state of Georgia. So as you've been hearing in our newscast, that sweeping indictment came down last night. Joining us this morning is our Washington-based correspondent for Global News, Reggie Cicchini. Good morning, Reggie. Good morning. Let's start with the charges. Can you lay them out for us? What are we talking about? Well, there are uh, a lot of them. There are uh, 41 charges in this 96-page uh, indictment, and uh, 13 of them uh, are directed towards the former president, include solicitation of violation of oath by a public officer. That is the phone call that Trump made asking the Secretary of State to find 11,780 votes, which was one more than Joe Biden received to try and flip the election in his um, in his favor. We know that there is conspiracy to commit false statements and writings, filing false documents, false statements and writings. Uh, He's caught up under the racketeering charge that everyone in the indictment was caught up in. This is a big deal here uh, because this is now a a kind of massive um, lawsuit or rather trial that's coming forward by the district attorney because she says that she wants to try everyone together at the same time, which adds more kind of logistical hurdles to what the former president was already facing. So when you talk about uh, the other individuals involved here, Reggie, it's uh, really a who's who of Trump's inner circle to a great extent. Yeah, and it varies uh, wildly from what we've seen with the special counsel's uh, uh, cases that he's brought forward, where Trump is essentially one or just a few of the people who are facing charges. 19 here, including several of uh, former President Donald Trump's legal associates, uh, namely Rudy Giuliani and Sidney Powell, who they themselves were involved in some of these schemes and plots in Georgia to either get a fake slate of electors put forward or uh, the breach of a voting data system in a rural county in Georgia. We also have a political aide to the former president, Mark Meadows, his then chief of staff, who was on the phone call asking for that one more vote, who has also been caught up in this. This is a this is huge. There's also 30 unin, uh, unindicted and unnamed uh, 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 people in this in this indictment as well, which goes to show the kind of breathtaking, um, sprawling investiga- investigatory avenues that, that Fonnie Willis has taken over the last two and a half years. How's this going over, you know, and, and playing out with voters? Because as I was driving in this morning, this hap- this broke when I was in bed last night. And then I wake up and I hear this and I think fourth indictment. It almost is like it's passes over and you think, oh, well, here we go again, because it feels like it's happening every other month. Yeah, I mean, look, fourth indictment, fourth jurisdiction. There's now more than 90 charges that the former president uh, has been faced with. Uh, His base is not having this. They still believe that this is something that is politically motivated. They see Fonnie Willis, at least in Atlanta, the district attorney, uh, as somebody who is politically motivated because she is a Democrat, because she has been outspoken against the former president. Uh, But look, his base is not going anywhere. And I think the thing to look at now is whether or not Trump um, can expand the base that is still 
a minority of Americans, but it's this minority of Americans who are pushing back, saying that this is just an attempt to go after the current front runner in the Republican Party, uh, looking for that nomination to get back into the White House. It is the base. It is the former president. It is his lawyers and it is his allies in Congress who are all pushing back, arguing this to be a flawed process. But again, not focusing on the problem. Timing is critical here as well, Reggie, in terms of juggling all these four indictments. Fonnie Willis has said that she wants to to get this to trial within six months. Well, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to figure out exactly where that lands in terms of the political calendar. It's uh, basically right in the middle, right in the heart of uh, the Republican primary season. So uh, what challenges do, do does the timing pose, even if this was just one indictment, let alone three others and other civil matters that the pre- former president is dealing with? Well, I mean, look, there's only so many days in a calendar and so many things that you can fit into one day on a calendar. And the fact that Donald Trump already has five cases that he is facing, both at the federal level and at the civil level, some of them start in October, this coming in February, uh, you know, on uh, a couple of weeks before Super Tuesday into the depths of primary season uh, with the special counsel saying that he wants his D.C. case to be brought forward on January 2nd. We have to see if the judge is going to allow for that to happen. Um, There are going to be competing and conflicting schedules here. And we don't know if special counsel uh, Jack Smith or if if DA Fonnie Willis or if Alvin Bragg are going to have to work together to try and coordinate these things. Legal experts have said that it's unlikely that this one in Georgia is going to get the sixth month grant that Willis is looking for. There's a real chance that this could get pushed off until beyond the election. Uh, But ultimately, I think what what the Fulton County District Attorney is looking for is simply to have this brought to court because she feels that laws were broken. She feels that democracy uh, was threatened. And I think it's worth pointing out here that if this does go to trial, um, that ultimately any kind of conviction here is not eligible for a presidential pardon. And if a Republican or even if Trump gets into office and there's a conviction to anyone in this case, they cannot be helped out by the person in the White House. But to clear it up for one of our listeners, Reggie, and we just have 30 seconds here, they're asking, they're saying they're confused about how he can run to be the next president under all these indictments. But that doesn't stop anyone. There's no rule about that in the States. No, nothing in the Constitution stops you from running if you're a convicted felon or even if you are in jail so long as you're over 35 years old uh, and haven't been impeached and forced from office in the first place. You can keep running. You could be in jail. You could win the presidency. You could technically pardon yourself. It's never been tested before, but nothing will stop Donald Trump from continuing to run forward, either as a charged person or someone who is ultimately convicted. And uh, let alone uh, trying to fundraise on the back of this as well apparently already already, already having done it right look he, he made millions and millions of dollars on the last ones it comes down every single time an indictment comes forward but still he is still making money off of this reggie cicchini global's washington-based correspondent global news we appreciate you always reggie thank you thank you you made a good point there loren this whole idea of this is number four now at what point does and do the u.s electorate and those that might be inclined to pay attention Stop paying attention. And for those who aren't paying attention anyway, this doesn't really matter to them. Well, there's two parts of it. One part of you might think, does does the number of indictments not change people's minds? Or is the opposite thing happening? Kind of the same way, you know, when you hear about, say, a lot of crime in Winnipeg or you hear about different things, your eyes just sort of go, eh. Here we go again. Here we go again. Or that's the status quo. Or that's just Trump. You know, you might just throw your hands up and, and say all that. But fascinating to even know the legalities of who's allowed to run and not run. And I'm I'm going to do some research on how that might compare to other countries, you know? Yeah, that, that's fascinating. Yeah, because even if convicted, sentenced to prison, 
uh, it's my understanding. Reggie just said it. He could run from behind bars if he was so inclined and receive the Republican nominations. I think that's right. Is it Tuesday today? I want to make sure because I think you're correct. Yes. Let me tell. Yeah, thank you, Gab, for your for your very confident <laughs> endorsement of what day of the week it is. That's just uh, the way it is. The way it runs in summertime, right? It's it's nice to forget what what day of the week it is. It's nice to uh, contemplate uh, things that are uh, less serious and and things that we'd like to do that involve putting our feet up, lying in a hammock, reading a book. Lorenda, channel your energy in the summer. But for many around the country, this has been a tough summer with regard to wildfires, with regard to evacuations, and my baby sister. Got that call yesterday morning, very early. Get out. You have five minutes to get out of your house and to get out of town up in Hay River Northwest Territories. And uh, she's home safely in southern Manitoba now. Her husband and her basically drove through the night to get home from there. And they've only been up there for three or four months. And as far as I know, she's got pretty much all of her belongings up there. So the question this morning is... If you get that call, what are you grabbing? What's that one thing? And we should probably put aside your passport, your birth, you know, all those documents. And, and, and photos even. Photos, I, I, I get think that we'd, we'd like to all think we'd have a box we'd grab that right. have our papers or insurance forms. Right. Or photos and, and that kind of stuff. But if everybody, I think probably if they given a moment beyond your clothes and the obvious is that that one little thing you would be so upset if, if you right. lost it forever. If you didn't have it. So why don't we start with Sarah McCarthy? Hello, have you got yes. something like that? Yes, Sarah? I do. Um, this antique teacup I got from my great, great aunt who lived to 99. And uh, it's just very special to me. And I'm a big tea drinker. So it just fits and it's special. It just sits out and just think of her all the time. And it's just something you can't replace, right? Yeah, so. no kidding. Yeah. It's a, the connection and and, yeah. the, and the physical the physical item, of yes. course. What color is it's this? It's pink and white. So oh, it's very cute. Send cute. us a picture of that. I'd like to see it. <laughs> what about you, Jeffrey? Jeff Fortune, Master Control. Um, You know, this is a really, really hard one. And I'm not going to lie. I had a hot dog for breakfast this morning and my mom makes this delicious homemade relish. I think I might have to grab that. <laughs> Only because, you know, it's the first thing that's on my mind. <laughs> I, I already had a hot dog for, for breakfast this morning. <laughs> a hot dog? I mean, I like a hot dog, but... Five, your eight, mom could nine. make... 4 a.m. hot I dog. I mean, I'm not going to admonish your, your choice here, Jeff, but your mom could always make more relish. I know, but... But what if he wants a hot dog yeah, on the right, drive right. out of town? That's yeah. the problem. Like, you know what? Sometimes the fire alarm in my building goes off. And if there's a fire in my building, I can always just roast a hot dog on the way out, throw some relish on there, good to go. It's a great point. This is going dark places. I hadn't anticipated that. What about you, Poitras? Well, you know, a a clean pair of underwear, you're going to need that wherever, you know, where I'm headed. Uh, So I'm going to grab that. Um, (laughs) It's so stupid. I have a spatula that I just love. And I go and grab relish, and I go and grab that spatula. It's a Hudson's Bay (laughs) spatula. I'll tell you this: you can stir, you can stir tomato sauces and red sauces. Do they no longer make the spatula? It's it's white. Has it been discontinued? It doesn't stain, and it's white. It's white, and it does not stain in red Mm. sauce. You are not going to replace this spatula. I'm telling you. It's a. Bo- I can't wait to like shoving your wife out of the way. Look, it, gotta it, get the like, spatula. I call it a botcher, which is Hutterite for spatula. 
My family goes back. They're heavy spatula users, heavy bocce users. It's always been an important part of my life. You're saying spatula. 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 You're you're saying it with a good twist. Well, that's because I respect it so much. I use, I I have inflection. Do you respect wood, Cam? Uh, Well, I do because this is a wood handle. It's beautiful. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not giving up that spatula for anything. (laughs) Yeah. I didn't see that. I didn't see relish coming. No. And I did not see spot. This is teacup. Thoughtful. <laughs> relish. Right. What? Yeah, well, <laughs> well, get out of Dodge. Sky, grab the spatula. <laughs> If we're not leaving without it. What about the no cat? spatula Drop left the behind. <laughs> I guess Reg, my little rabbit. I guess I grabbed him too. I'm not. Yeah, I wasn't part pets of don't, Pets don't count. Pets don't count. Yeah. Uh, uh, this is a public service announcement for those that are intending to send their children to River River East Collegiate. Oh yeah. Uh, the, these are graduates of River East Collegiate. Yes, that's all. Are. That's all I'm going to say. Oh, oh, nine, no, oh, nine, baby. <laughs> we are not making that school look good right now. Uh, yeah. No, you're not, Loren. Well, I think, you know, there's the sentimental things that you might think of. So, you know, someone's handwriting, if you've lost someone in your oh. life and you have the cards, like, do you save? Because mm-hmm. you love the handwriting from your grandmother. So I have a couple of those I'd grab. Um, there is a peppermint dish that my grandma used to always have in her house. I'd take that. I have a little pillow that with my other grandmother. She used to always wear, like, tiger and leopard print and that kind of thing. Like, she was uh, good to go. And so I'd like that material. And then the weirdest thing I think I'd have to grab to keep the whole family alive I'm sure I've told this before, but at some point in high school, one of my siblings got a balloon, like a Valentine's Day balloon. And it's not helium, but it's filled with the air. Oh, yes, yes. Right? And it's and then when my parents sold the farm, this balloon was still in the closet. And we all thought, we can't get rid of that balloon now. So now it's in my position, possession at the top of a closet. And nothing else is allowed to go up there because I'm so, I'm. it's like it, I'm worried that if it, if it goes, we go. <laughs> It's representative I of the life cycle. It's like one of those horror movies where you come you to know? realize that the uh, balloon is like it's yeah. sustaining your family. Yeah. <laughs> it's, as it withers, so does the family. It doesn't. Wither. It hasn't withered, and every this once is, in a while, it'll fall out of the. Don't touch the balloon. This is really not where I thought this conversation would go. Balloon, but this is why spatula, we have them. Relish teacup. Yeah, I'm taking a I'm taking an end table that my grandfather handcrafted. There you go. That's okay. nice. He's master carpenter. I'm grabbing that piece of furniture. 204-780-68 Spotula. This time on Tuesday mornings, it's Breakfast with the Bombers, brought to you by cooperators investing in your future together. On the heels of their massive comeback victory over Edmonton last week, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers are getting geared up for Friday's game in Calgary versus the Stampeders. There are some questions, of course, Loren, about whether or not Zach Kolaris will start for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers at quarterback this week. The status of, the status of his star quarterback was just one question asked last night on the coach's show, of course. Coach Mike O'Shea, when asked what the coaches said, when they were down 22 nothing had this to say, if we have that clip. Workmanlike, right? constructive, matter-of-fact, solution-based. <laughs> you know, just all the stuff you need to hear from a very, very good football team, a veteran football team that's been behind before. You know, I, I guess we haven't been behind 22 before, but we've been behind two scores for sure and come back and won. They're not searching for anything. They have the answers already. Right, they they already have the answers. They come off from a series and they they already have the answers. They go back and verify stuff on an iPad, talk to the coaches, whatever they need to do. But they very quickly have the feedback. They know what they did wrong. They know the solution. 
Three-time CFL Most Outstanding Defensive Player of the Year, middle linebacker Adam Big Hill joins us now. Good morning, Adam. Good morning. So that was Coach O'Shea discussing how things needed to turn around last week. Was it him that led that conversation or was it players? Oh, I mean, it's a little bit of both. Um, you know, we all realized that we were in a predicament and we needed to fight our way out of it. And You know, it was just uh, something we talked about was taking care of one play at a time. You know, you can't get the lead back in one play, but sure enough, you put enough one plays together, you're going to be able to make it happen. So it really had to just had to be a grind and um, a focused effort just to make the best of our next opportunity and you know, it was it was a fun game to see us put that together. Adam, it, it, there's really no time to to worry about how you got into that situation. I'm guessing that's left for the film room uh, in the in the days following the game. Is it is it just a matter of focusing on controlling what you can control to get back in that game and eventually take that lead? Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, defensively, no explosive plays or the things that you know got us into that position, um, you know, and, and we, we've been excellent at, you know, preventing explosive plays against us. And, and we so happen to have a couple big ones against us there. And, you know, once, once those stopped, we were able to, you know, put an end to that. I mean, their offense really didn't get much more, um, other than those explosive plays. So, um, yeah, it's just take a breather, get back to doing what you do, and um, go go take care of business. You know, I, we have full confidence in, in our crew, and and um, you know, it's it's like like Ocean, it's working. Like, just get back to work and do what you do. So you were down to twenty two nothing. You didn't have your star quarterback. In comes Drew Brown, and you talk about just having the confidence and the ability of the team. But you might know what he can do athletically. But there's a difference between that and coming into the game at that point and finding that poise. Was any part of his play a surprise to you? No, it wasn't a surprise to me. But it was exciting to watch, mm. no doubt about it. Because um, you know, like uh, I said this in an interview yesterday, that you know when when I see Drew Brown, you know, throwing touchdowns on the field and, and making big plays and leading this guy on there and, and eventually, you know, being a part of our, our, our comeback victory and throwing four touchdowns, 300 yards passing, you know, I, I just flashback to seeing him in the film room, in the classroom, uh, notes, questions, you know, his serious um, study, workmanlike behavior, um, his focus, his determination, you know, that's what I see, his work. And and that work then is resulting in what we're seeing on the field is success. You know, he's preparing like he's a starter, even if he's not getting starter reps or, or playing in the game. And, uh, you know, that's something that I'm just real proud that, you know, of the way he approaches the game and the way he has gotten the results that he's looking for based on how hard he works. So just super proud of him. I can hear the joy in your voice, Adam, when, when you talk about Drew Brown and his worth, work ethic and all, all the things that go along with that. Is that a critical part of being a part of this team? We've discussed for the last four or five years this idea of culture, uh, not only within the dressing room, but the, the overall organization. And for so long, you would put up with a guy maybe that didn't have the study habits or wasn't necessarily dedicated to the game because he had you know, far-reaching talent. It, is that going away now? Is it important that that guys are committed to to all parts of the system, so to speak? 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, and it, it it's pretty obvious at this point in our locker room if you're not putting in the effort because it, it shows so fast. I mean, because, you know, not only guys are very talented, uh, fast, strong, can, you know, run, hit, throw, catch, but guys are extremely smart. You know, like Coach said, we have answers. We know how we're going to handle problems. If there's a mistake, we know how to fix it immediately. Um, so if you're not at the level of football understanding and IQ uh, on, on what we're doing, it's, it's going to be very obvious. So guys got to put in the work because you, you're not going to be able to fake anybody in our locker room on, on where you're at. So um, people have to fit in, you know, and that's just the great culture that's been built in Winnipeg is that if you're coming in and you want to stay here, you're going to look and look around the room, see how the veterans work and see what the expectations are and, you're going to have to try to find a way to meet those very, very quickly. So many of us in the elevator or amongst friends, Adam, will talk about, what did you get up to this weekend or how did your summer vacation go? But you're, of course, super busy during the summer. So do you get some downtime? What's your summer been like before we let you go? Yeah, not a lot of downtime. <laughs> um, you know, I made it to Victoria Beach one day uh, after after our last game, which was kind of my first time out there, which was nice. Spent some time with the family and went to the beach. Um, you know, but other than that, kind of just got a couple pool days around here locally and got the kids out. But, uh, you know, it's been a fun summer, at least getting the kids outside and, you know, sports and activities and, but, uh, yeah, nothing too crazy. Adam, we appreciate your time immensely. Good luck on Friday against Calgary as, uh, we head towards the heart of the season. I hate to say it, but. Labor Day's not that far away, and and the CFL uh, players and teams seem to find another another gear once we head into September. We appreciate this a lot. Yeah, my pleasure. Busy morning here on the start. Greg Mackling, Loren McNabb, Mackling McNabb with you through until 10 o'clock. Then Han- Hal Anderson connects Winnipeg from 10 till 12. Then it's Jets at noon. Jim Toth, Cameron Poitras. Uh, this morning, we've been telling you in traffic about a situation northbound Leisure Modier at Almy. Uh, Global's, Global News, Sam Brunel is out on the scene joining us now. Sam, good morning. Good morning. What can you tell us about this incident? The Winnipeg police uh, telling us that one individual has been sent to hospital in serious condition. What's happening at the scene? Yeah, at the scene, there still appears to be a motorcycle lane on the ground right at Almy uh, Avenue there, right uh, by the Steinbach Credit Union building. And traffic is down to one lane on northbound Lage, although it as far as, as traffic being cut from one to three lanes goes, it is flowing pretty well. There there aren't a lot of cross streets. So other than uh, the, the slight delay when the lights turn red, it is flowing well, but it is also backed up all the way to Regent just because of the amount of people there are trying to get through the scene here. Sam, you mentioned the motorcycle line on the ground. The other vehicle involved in this, what do you see there? Um, so it appears like a... Uh, a, a semi-tanker is parked further down, it, but there's no indication of whether that is, is the other vehicle involved at this time. But as far as vehicles stopped by the scene, that's the only one that's not an emergency vehicle. Uh, Sam, we had one listener report that there was police tape uh, up at the scene. Can you confirm that for us? 
Uh, yes, there is. There's quite a bit of police tape. Well over half a dozen police cars, fire truck. Um, no one is able to turn onto Almy Avenue there. So the the Hyundai dealership, the Steinbach Credit Union, those are completely inaccessible right now. As as cadets and police continue to direct traffic, and uh, I can see actually right now they're putting out cones uh, near the scene as well. Sam Brunel, Global News. Thank you for this. Thanks. We'll shift gears now. Our, our week, our monthly visit, visit. I almost said annually, and then I said I was going to say weekly, monthly visit with our friends from Animal Services and Loren. As we put the dog days of summer mostly in the rear view mirror, it kind of hurts to say that out loud. Our our dogs, our dog friends, our fur friends might still be feeling the heat. Leland Gordon, General Manager of Animal Services with the City of Winnipeg, joins us in studio now, along with Jeep. I don't know if you can hear Jeep panting. I don't know if that it means... would be impossible not to hear. I don't Jeep know if that's panting. because he's hot or if he's so excited. I can't get him to sit sit still for a photo, Leland. Yeah, but yeah, let's let's talk a bit before we get into Jeep, just about heat because this has been an unusual summer, and I've often wondered. My dog is so active, but the amount of times now I find him in the shade is is way more than usual years. I think just because he too is is struggling some days. Yeah, people need to be more cognizant when they're taking their dogs out um, during this heat, and it's just been a hot summer. So we actually have some progressive new bylaws in Winnipeg where you can't leave your dog uh, or companion animal in a vehicle when it's 22 degrees or greater. As we know, most people don't leave dogs in the car for even a minute. And you shouldn't do that in Winnipeg because as we know, vehicles can become like greenhouses. It gets a lot harder. If it's 25 degrees out, it's probably 30 in the car because the vehicle's acting like a greenhouse. People also need to like not bike ride with your dog when it's super hot out, right? Um, is there? A, I know there was a disgust threshold. There is. It's 22 also for that, right? Okay. And so a lot of times you'll 22. see... 22. 22, So Same don't thing. bike with my dog when it's hotter Absolutely. than 22. And a lot of times you'll see a dog trailing behind somebody who's biking, and that's because the dog's had enough, right? And the people just aren't cognizant of that. But also a dog's paws can be burned on the pavement when it's really hot. Reach down on that black pavement when you're out walking next and feel how hot it is. And then, of course, um, when you're walking your dog, if, you, if that pavement's really hot, walk the dog in the grass next to the pavement. You know, use, do the hand test. But those are some of the common sense um, things to consider when it's really hot outside. Leland, when you confront, maybe that's a strong word, but when you interact with individuals maybe that are taking their, their dogs in their vehicles, you know, oh, my buddy, he's my buddy. He goes with me everywhere. I can't leave him at home. He, he wants to be in the car all the time or or the idea of leaving him at home, you know, makes, makes me heart sick. I'm sure you've heard all the reasons in the world as to why people insist on taking their dogs in their cars with them. Is there one that, that makes sense? Well, no, the, if you're going somewhere, obviously, but again, just don't, you know, you're not supposed to leave your kids in the car. You know, we hear our animal services officers will hear, well, the dog was only in the car for a few minutes, officer, that kind of stuff. Right. Um, so again, if you're taking your dog to a store, bring the dog in, right? Many stores allow dogs in the, in the store. They also allow children, right? So don't leave your kids in the vehicle. And we see these tragic things once in a while on social media where somebody's forgot their dog in the car and the fire departments responded, right? We have our, the Winnipeg Fire and Paramedic Service are responding to many of these calls and they should be fighting fires, not having to respond to a car where somebody has left their dog in the car. So I wanted to tie this into the whole idea of having a good comprehension or understanding of your ability either as an individual to adopt a dog or your family, your lifestyle, how busy you are, because those are the reasons, those are the quote unquote excuses people give for 
taking their dogs places where maybe they shouldn't be bringing them along. Yeah, you know, so I want to give a special shout out to our team at Animal Services of staff and volunteers because we are caring for so many dogs now since the pandemic ended. It's unbelievable. Before the pandemic, our team would care for about 20 dogs a day in the facility and the dogs have bigger cages to run around and they go outside. Now our new norm is, and people can follow us on social media and they'll see our pleas for help to the community. Our new norm now is we have 30 to 35 dogs in the building every day. We have people getting rid of their dogs. We have people who have gone out and gotten dogs who are struggling taking care of themselves and then they got a dog and now they can't take care of the dog and they're dumping these dogs either on the streets or at animal services. We have some people who come to animal services and they'll be standing next to a dog and they'll be saying they found a straight, this is the stray dog they found and they're lying and it's actually their dog. And so we need people to think long and hard before they add a dog to their family. Can you care for yourself financially? Do you have a stable home? Are you prepared for the financial costs of a dog, vet care, good quality food, and a lifelong commitment to that dog? And if you're not, then go volunteer at an animal shelter or do a doggy date. And if you know somebody who's thinking and getting about it, getting a dog and is has those problems, encourage them not to get a dog because it's not fair to our staff and volunteers for caring for so many of these dogs in our facility. They're all, almost every dog that comes in, not spayed and neutered, not licensed, not vaccinated, no training, all these things that we're seeing. And it's something's got to give. And so we need more residents in Winnipeg to be more responsible as far as when it comes to pets. And most people in Winnipeg are responsible and we're grateful for that. And you can tell I'm a little passionate yes. about this well, because I to ask, it, it's not good what's going on well, right now. Well, we've been talking about this, I think, with you for at least a year. And I do mm-hmm. want to ask about Jeep because Jeep des- deserves a big shout out. He's roaming the studio right mm-hmm. now looking for a family. But you talk about this being the new normal, that you have a capacity for 20 but 35 daily dogs mm-hmm. is your amount. Now that this... At what point are you going to maybe have to consider, do we have to expand or add to our abilities at animal services? Because now you are seeing that, or is the hope that this is just this blip that you can push through? So in order for us to build a bigger facility, um, that would be a major commitment that city council would have to do. Um, The number one solution to overpopulation is spaying and neutering and having a, a, a spay neuter clinic, stuff like that. We need more people to spay and neuter. We have the city of Winnipeg through our pet licensing programs. We have low income spay neuter programs in place to help residents get their pets spayed and neutered. If you need help, go to the city of Winnipeg's website. A lot of those programs are funded through the Winnipeg Humane Society with our friends over there. So we have these programs to get people's pets fixed. But a lot of times when we have somebody standing in our front counter, they also don't want to fix their pets. They think it's not a macho or cool thing to do. No matter what we say that it helps control pet overpopulation, it helps reduce some cancers in dogs. Your dog may not get a certain kind of cancer if the dog is fixed, but then we'll still get, I don't want to fix my dog, right? And it's this ongoing cycle and it's very sad. Leland, we've got about 30 seconds here. Tell us about Jeep, where people can meet Jeep whether it's uh, to maybe provide a forever home or maybe just spend some time with him. Yeah, so people want information about adopting, and this is a sad conversation we just had, so if you're feeling sad about this conversation we just had... And how, you can afford the dog and, and you're ready and you to take af- care of him. Go to Winnipeg Animal Services on Facebook and Instagram. You can look at pictures of Jeep. Jeep's a young lab, about a year old, loves people, loves most other dogs, is, is a young, active, happy dog. But again, how can you help? Go to our wish list, and we have items on our wish list people can get. We have the dogs up for adoption, and of course, our doggy date or foster program. You can temporarily take a dog out from animal services and give that dog a break. All right. Jeep's a lab. 
He's a lab mix. I have a lab, and I don't. Doesn't look like that. I'm wondering <laughs> if I actually have a lab. <laughs> Leland I've Gordon. been getting that a lot lately. Maybe, I don't think this is a lab. Maybe Loren. you were tricked. Who knows? <laughs> Show Leland a picture as we uh, head to break. <laughs> Leland Gordon, General Manager, <laughs> Animal Services, City of Winnipeg. Leland, we appreciate your time and what you do. Tuesday morning, it is the start. Mackling and McNabb with you and Loren. Our listeners are they're the best. We have conversations uh, with experts, uh, with individuals like Leland Gordon, and then when we want to personalize those conversations and we put out a call to you to feedback and share with us your experiences, you genuinely step up. Thus, the text messages that are in the queue right now with regard to dogs and the expense of caring for our for our. our what a lot of people call their fur babies. An hour ago, Leland Gordon of Animal Services, you could hear the frustration in his voice as he talked about the sheer volume of pets they're now caring for. Some have come out of the pandemic unable to care for them for all sorts of reasons. They might have adopted during the pandemic or, or bought or other, and people are struggling. And so we asked listeners, are you someone who is struggling right now? Because the financial cost might have been unexpected, you know, just with the shots and medical care or just the cost of living. So now you're struggling to feed yourself, and you have this pet and you didn't anticipate this sort of double crunch. One of our listeners says, I have a COVID puppy who is two and a half years now. I had to change my dog's food and the cost went from $65 a bag to 120 I will do without so I can keep him, but there isn't much more I can do without. I feel so sorry for people who have had to give up their fur babies, but having had a dog for over 30 years, I know the financial commitment you make before you bring an animal into your life. I would love a companion for my guy, but I know I can't afford one. Keep those honest, open conversations uh, rolling. Keep your comments coming at 204-780-6868. I know Hal Anderson, Hal Anderson is going to pick up this conversation uh, in about an hour from now. So we invite you to stick around and uh, continue to feedback, please, and thank you. But we start this final half hour of the start with close to 10% of the population, what do they have in common? Well, they live with type 2 diabetes, Loren. So that's at least 110,000 people, and that number is growing because we know the rate at which Manitobans are diagnosed with type 2 diabetes in this province. It's 12 times the national average, and it's concerning and something we, we try to talk about because people with type 2 which means you can't make enough insulin to control your blood sugar, you can end up with major complications if the condition is not properly managed, Greg. But there are people who've not only learned how to manage type 2 diabetes, they've been able to put it into remission. What does that mean? Well, our next guest is one of the researchers looking to find out. Dylan McKay is an assistant professor of nutrition and chronic diseases at the University of Manitoba. Professor, thank you for this. Well, thanks for having me. Uh, I just wanted to start, if I could, just on the type 1 versus type 2. I have type 1 diabetes where my pancreas doesn't make insulin. Uh, type 2, often there people can have lots of insulin. It's just not working as well. And there are also others that aren't making enough uh, type, uh, insulin for, for their, their blood sugar management. You know, Dylan, that's a great place to start because we were having a discussion about diabetes just the other day, sitting around the campfire of all places in the backyard. And uh, this whole idea, and for as much as I know about diabetes, I was always under the impression that type 1, you were born with, type 2, you developed over time. That's completely incorrect, isn't it? 
Yeah, I mean, that's sort of the idea. It was always seen as type 1 being juvenile or, or pediatric diabetes, but, but we have cases where type 2 diabetes can actually uh, start in, in pediatric or very young people, and type 1 diabetes can actually occur across the lifespan. So I, I was diagnosed around 13 years old, which is around the average age of, uh, of diagnosis, but people are diagnosed as late as their 50s uh, with type 1 diabetes, and, and some as young as you know, uh, at birth or, or very, very young. So when you look at the differences here, you're focusing in the study on type 2. Can you talk a bit about what happens? And maybe it's the same regardless of whether it's type 1 or type 2, Dylan. If you if you don't go to your doctor and then you don't talk about it and then you don't manage it, whether it's through a wide variety of measures, what can happen? Well, I mean, both types, uh, and certainly uh, because the most individuals in Canada that have diabetes is type 2, uh, the unmanaged or untreated uh, type 2 diabetes is strongly associated with elevated risk of cardiovascular disease, heart attack, stroke, uh, and complications like chronic kidney disease and, and, and kidney failure. So uh, now lots of really, really bad things. Um, so, so managing it uh, is incredibly important. And that's, um, yeah, that's what we want everybody to be well managed. So you're looking to talk to people who are not just managing their diabetes, but Putting it into remission, I'm, I'm familiar with that term when it comes to potentially uh, certain types of cancer. How does remission work for diabetes? Well, I mean, historically, type 2 diabetes was often seen as, you know, a uh, manageable but progressive disease that had an, like an unavoidable trajectory. Um, but then there started to be these cases of individuals who uh, seem to achieve non-diabetes glucose values without taking any medications. Um, often after bariatric surgery, where it was associated with quite a lot of weight loss, but also individuals who were able to, to achieve that through large amounts of lifestyle-based weight loss or exercise. And these were sort of seen as the uh, unicorns or the amazing cases that doctors sometimes saw and didn't understand. But research has started to show that there are methods to potentially help people uh, achieve remission, which is normal blood glucose levels without any diabetes medications. It's not, it's not possible for everyone, but it's certainly possible for some individuals. So I have to ask then, Dylan, is it just the weight loss and that change in routine with regard to more exercise? Because I find when I'm more active, I'm also doing something else, and that's typically I'm watching what I'm eating. Yeah, I mean, separating those two is difficult. The the best, you know, tr uh, clinical trial evidence that we have is that sustained weight loss of greater than 15 kilograms of initial body weight is associated with the best probability of type 2 diabetes remission. But, you know, there are individual cases where that hasn't happened. And I, I actually know somebody who did it purely by adding uh, a lot of exercise. Their, their weight loss was not that significant. Uh, it's an area where, where there's a lot of ongoing research um, happening right now. So I don't think any researcher or doctor likes to hear this, but I was Googling some stuff this morning, Dylan, about just type two and management and, you know, the, the weight loss, the exercise, you know, even alcohol use, that all makes sense to me. But I was reading things about, you know, brushing your teeth and there's all these little added extras that can go a long way too. Is that fair? Uh, I mean, I haven't looked into the other lifestyle factors, but I mean, healthy lifestyle factors tend to, to improve outcomes. Uh, you're at higher risk of many different things, cardiovascular disease and dental issues with type 2 diabetes. So those are all very important in diabetes, uh, both type 1 and type 2. Maybe this is why you don't Google, right? We turn to people like you for the answers. But it's, it's the idea that when you come to management, I think people think of the food, their exercise and their 
pills they might take, but there could be other things. And so in this study, what's your ask right now? Oh, oh yeah. Well, I mean, there was recently guidelines that came out in Canada around type 2 diabetes remission, but I'm part of a, we're part of a study right now where we're actually looking to see, to ask people who have lived experience, you know, who better to tell us what helps to achieve type 2 diabetes and people who have done that themselves and done that in a system that doesn't really support it right now. We want to change the system to support it better. So we're looking for people in Manitoba who have achieved uh, diabetes remission. So that's they were diagnosed with type 2 diabetes. Now their blood sugars are in the normal range and they're not taking any medications anymore. We want to listen to them and we want to hear how they did it uh, to help us create systems that support more people to do it. Yeah, and that's exactly what's going through my head. Oh, okay, so this is an effort to maybe to create an alternative, uh, almost like a guide for people uh, that want to attempt this. So how can people get involved? Um, I just posted it on uh, the McKay Lab Facebook page, but we also have an email address for the study. I know it's tough on radio, but it's T2, so that's the T, the number two, D, Renew, R-E-N-U, at umanitoba.ca. Um, and, uh, you know, any, you can also find it uh, uh, on, uh, you know, if you find me, I'll be posting it on social media. Um, but uh, we'll be advertising as well. It's uh, anybody who's interested can contact that email address and, uh, and, and get more information about the study. Well, one of our listeners just texting in while listening uh, to our conversation says, both my son and my wife reversed their type 2 diabetes by going on a whole food plant-based lifestyle. My wife's been going on four years without medication and my son's been a year. So those are two people that I, I would love to talk to uh, about. Uh, and this study is exactly looking for those individuals. So that's, I, uh, that's fantastic. I will uh, reach out to these uh, folks and see if they'd be willing uh, to hear from you, Dylan. We appreciate you very much and uh, keep in touch as uh, you know, you go along. And if you need more participants, I know that our, our listeners are anxious to per- participate. So if you don't get quite enough people, let us know. We'll uh, help you fill that slate. Well, that's very much appreciated. My big thank to Dylan is that I texted him yesterday about something completely different. <laughs> yes. And then he, you know, he's always so great to come on to talk about lots of things nutrition related. And then he said, you know, actually, how about this? I mean, you think about the sheer number of people that either have type two or will get type two in this province. And it's a growing number of young people as well. The lifelong management skill you might need. And so the earlier you can have these conversations, the better. That was Dylan McKay again, assistant professor of nutrition and chronic diseases at the U of M. And one of our conversations throughout the day as initiated by our friend Leland Gordon from Animal Services, has to do with are you struggling right now with regard to paying for your animal, paying for your animal's care, food, otherwise. Courtney says we recently adopted a senior dog, just turned 12 from a family member who wasn't prepared for the aging process. There's a bit of extra care, attention, and cost required when our friends get older. It's tough, but we wanted to make sure she was as comfortable as possible, knowing she's loved as she faces her last year's. Thanks for that, Courtney. Keep those text messages coming about the challenges, the economic impact of of loving your pet. Because let's face it, most of us do love them from the day they come into our lives till the day they leave. It's a challenge for some we appreciate your honesty and fortrightness on our text line.